Good morning. I'm so thankful to be here with you this morning and grateful to Jeff and to the church session for inviting us to come and celebrate 75 years of campus ministry at Appalachian State. I'm so grateful for this church that started that. And um, yes, that's right. It deserves a round of applause. God's transformation of the world and of Jerusalem can be found in both of our scripture readings this morning. The passage we read together from Isaiah 65 tells of God creating a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. There are beautiful images in the passage that say, No more shall there be an infant that lives but a few days or an old person that does not live out a lifetime. In this transformed world, no one will labor in vain, and the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. Isaiah's description of what God will do drips with joy and delight. The passage we will hear in a moment from Luke 21 also talks about Jerusalem and the world being transformed. But Luke's account is filled with foreboding and suffering. In the verses from chapter 21, Jesus tells his disciples about the way in which Jerusalem will be transformed, but it is a very different image from the one found in Isaiah. Jesus tells of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and nations rising up against each other and the ways the disciples will be persecuted because of Jesus. Listen now for Luke to, to, to Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 19, and I'm reading from the Common English Bible translation. Some people were talking about the temple, how it was decorated with beautiful stones and ornaments dedicated to God. Jesus said, as for these things you are admiring, the time is coming when not even one stone will be left upon another. All will be demolished. They asked him, Teacher, when will these things happen? What sign will show that these things are about to happen? And Jesus said, Watch out that you aren't deceived. Many will come in my name saying, I'm the one. It's time. Don't follow them. When you hear of wars and rebellions, don't be alarmed. These things must happen first. But the end won't happen immediately. Then Jesus said to them, Nations and kingdoms will fight each other. There will be great earthquakes and wide-scale food shortages and epidemics. There will also be terrifying sights and great signs in the sky. But before all this occurs, they will take you into custody and harass you because of your faith. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings, governors, and governors because of my name. This will provide you with an opportunity to testify. Make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. I'll give you words and wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to consider or contradict. You will be betrayed by your parents brothers, sisters, relatives, and friends. They will execute some of you. Everyone will hate you because of my name. Still, not a hair on your heads will be lost. 
By holding fast, you will gain your lives. This, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two of the students here this morning, Mackenzie and Caitlin, have agreed to help preach the sermon today. When we met to talk about this service and celebrating 75 years of campus ministry, which we acknowledge was started by this congregation, I thought we might decide to skip over this passage from Luke. We chose the passages from Isaiah and from Luke because they are in the three-year lectionary cycle of scripture readings, and they were both listed for today's readings. I generally love the Gospel of Luke, but this apocalyptic passage was not my idea of a celebratory scripture. By the time we get to chapter 21 in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He has gone there to celebrate the Passover. Chapter 19 tells of Jesus' arrival in the city on what we call Palm Sunday when he enters the city triumphantly. Upon his arrival, he goes straight to the temple where he becomes angry, if you remember, when he finds a marketplace rather than a house of worship. He clears out the temple of the people who were making it what he called a den of robbers. And he begins to teach every day in the temple. In the verses we just heard, Jesus is teaching his disciples about what will come next. And what comes next is the destruction of the building that they are actually standing in while he is teaching. This temple was one of the most beautiful buildings we could imagine. It was adorned and decorated by the skill of hundreds and hundreds of years and occupied a central place in the national life, the religious life, and in the imaginations of the people. The scripture says that as they were admiring the temple, the magnificent building and how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts that were decorated to God, Jesus stops them and says, this temple? What you see now is temporary. The days will come when not one stone will be left. Jesus is predicting the downfall of the temple, which would have been unthinkable for the disciples or any devout Jew, in the same way that it would be hard for us as Americans to imagine the destruction of the White House or the Washington Monument or the Statue of Liberty only more so because the temple signified a thousand years of God's dealing with Israel. Not only is Jesus saying that the temple will fall, he is also telling his disciples that false teachers will soon come in his name and wars will break out and there will be earthquakes and famines and plagues and his disciples will be arrested and jailed in his name. You can see why I thought this passage might not be the one that we would choose to read on a Sunday when we're celebrating 75 years of campus ministry. And yet, when Caitlin and Mackenzie and I sat down to read this scripture passage together, we found hope in Jesus' words. We had just finished our Thursday Bible study with a small group of campus ministry students, and at the end we always share our prayer requests. 
We do this as well on Tuesday nights when we have our larger campus ministry gatherings. And each time we pray together, we share the joyful things in our lives, but we also share the hard things that are happening in our lives and in the world. We all know that hard things are going on. There is deep division in our country. There's turmoil in Bolivia and Hong Kong, and we just had another shooting at a school in California. The list goes on and on. There is anxiety and stress and sickness in our lives, and yet, when we hear Jesus talk about the destruction of the temple, we know that the temple is not what we hold on to. Our hope can only come from God. And Jesus is promising that in the midst of these hard things, not a hair on our heads will perish, and that enduring these hard things, we will gain our souls. As people who gather to read scripture each week, we know that what we need to hold on to is our faith, which tells us that the promise of God is made real in Jesus Christ. That is where our hope comes from. We come together each week at campus ministry and we come to church on Sunday mornings to be reminded that our faith and our hope is in God. I was not alone at finding hope in this passage, and so now I want to invite Caitlin and Mackenzie to share the ways in which they found hope in it as well. When I was younger, my family spent every opportunity to go outside. Every summer was spent at time with summer camp, and it was a way that I developed as a human and learned more about the world. The picturesque scenery of Boone is what brought me to App State. I love walking out of my room and being surrounded by the mountains. When I travel, I want to go to places that are naturally beautiful. I know I'm not alone in this feeling. I'm sure that plenty of us in the room have many happy memories to the time that we've spent outside. In fact, Studies have shown that when adults look back on their childhood, they remember the time that they spent outdoors playing. So in my writing class this year, focused on the mass destruction that humans were doing to the earth, I found myself panicking. One popular article that we read, entitled The Uninhabitable Earth, opened with the line, things are much, much worse than you think. The author, David Wallace Wells, then spent the next several pages informing the reader Of every way, the earth was being destroyed, and that there was simply nothing we could do about it. I began to find myself questioning every choice I made and trying to evaluate how it was causing the earth to end a second sooner. Every class after that followed with more evidence that there was simply nothing I could do but abandon all hope and get ready for a slow burn. The talk of climate change then crept into every class I'm enrolled in this semester. It seemed as that there was no way to escape the bad news. Despite this, I wanted something to hold on to. I carried my reusable coffee cup everywhere I went. I tried to alter my diet to release less carbon. But it really seemed like those changes weren't going to matter in the world. The more I looked at the news, it showed more and more destruction. Temperatures are rising rapidly, and natural disasters are constantly occurring because of climate change. I saw one map that showed my home in Richmond, Virginia, becoming a beachfront property. Then, one day last month, I was scrolling through Instagram and saw a post from a band that I like called Rising Appalachia. Their post shared their worries with the world, many of which are similar with mine. However, 
they ended their post by saying, the best thing that we can do during a trying time is to not fall into despair, but rather to remain uplifted and hopeful that we can work towards a better future. It is up to us to proclaim and share what we view as just in the world. It can be easy to look around the world and see injustice and then to fall into that despair. But we need to channel our passions and speak out for what we believe in. Because of this, people might turn away. In the current state that our nation is in, issues are quick to divide us. Harsh language and strong feelings are often brought out when two opposing sides speak. Despite all of this, we need to remain strong and testify what God wants. We need to testify for love and acceptance of others and work so that our world might one day see peace. We need to work with others in our faith community to share these messages. We can build our strong communities by uniting for that common belief. When the injustice that we see in the world brings us down, it is important to have that community that we can turn back to. That's what the college ministry has done for me. When college seems too hard or life seems too stressful, I know that I always have a community to turn to. We work together to speak out for justice. This shines through with our openness and acceptance of everyone on campus. I have met some of my greatest friends through campus ministry. When we engage in meaningful conversations, it allows for growth not only as an individual, but as a group, because we see what makes each one of us unique. Thank you. When Caitlin, Stephanie, and I first read the scripture from Luke together, we all had the same reaction. At first, the scripture seems overwhelmingly negative, from the idea of a beautiful temple crumbling to the wars, uprisings, earthquakes, and famines that Jesus mentions. It seems as though he is telling his disciples about how the world will end. If you look at the rest of the scripture, that seems to be exactly what Jesus was doing. In verses 8 and 9, Jesus says, Watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. He is warning the disciples of what will happen one day, and even goes on to warn them of betrayal by their own parents, brothers and sisters, relatives, and friends. But after these warnings, Jesus says that he will protect the disciples from harm and not one hair of their head will perish. He has just told his disciples of the terrible things that will one day occur, but then asked them to have faith that he will protect them. The events that Jesus has described were not uncommon and have happened countless times since the beginning of humanity. But what is more important from this section of scripture is that Jesus tells the men to have hope and to believe that they will be protected from the catastrophes. He explains that the earthly possessions and worries of the world are not what is important. Instead, they must remember that God has a plan for them beyond the earth. Many times throughout the Bible, God calls people to have faith in circumstances that seem challenging. These times are often the hardest to maintain faith through, but the definition of faith is complete trust in God. While it can be hard to completely trust anyone but ourselves, ultimately it is God that knows our plan for life and God that will protect us through all the challenges of life on earth until we see what is after. Currently, there seems to be chaos in one way or another across every corner of the planet. This earth that God created for us to keep and care for is deteriorating at a rapid pace. Numerous countries around the world are in the midst of political or civil unrest. Millions of people are faced with natural disasters that leave them with nothing. People around the world, and even here in our own county, struggle to find enough food to eat, 
clothing to wear, and a warm, safe place to rest at night. When I see all of these issues, I can't help but want to fix them all. I want to do everything in my power to lessen the challenges that others have to face, but I know that I cannot do it all. While even together we have the incredible ability to help better the lives of those around us, we unfortunately will not be able to fix everything. In times like this, when problems seem to pile up faster than they can be solved, we need to turn to God and to each other. I have found that it is easy to see hope in the day-to-day through community. I see hope in the students on my campus getting an education to provide themselves with more opportunities. I see hope in everyone that attends this church and every other church, trying to grow in their faith and spread the good news and love of Jesus with others. One of the main places I find hope is at PUCM every week. I attend Tuesday night regular meetings where we share a meal donated by generous churches. We talk with each other about our lives and our hopes for the world, and we grow together in our faith. On Thursday mornings, we have Bible study to discuss current events in the world and to find hope for the future through the words of the Bible and through the wisdom and ideas of each other. Moments like these remind me of the hope that can be forgotten when you get caught up in the negativity of the world. I have learned that it is entirely possible to find hope and faith on your own, but it is so much easier to find these things in a community of like-minded, Jesus-loving people. Our second scripture from Isaiah is a reminder of what God has promised to us, that despite the chaos and trouble in the world, God has planned a new and better day for us, saying, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. These verses are a reminder that we should carry with us for when the task at hand seems too challenging, for when our ability to help those in need can only go so far, and especially for the days when we start to lose hope. We must remind ourselves and others that ultimately our faith lies in God. We put our faith in God because we know that he has the power and plans to determine what will happen in each of our lives. We can turn to each other in times where we may forget this, or when we may doubt that his plan alone will be enough. We turn to each other for the reminder that we put our faith in God because God has proven time and time again that we will be protected, and not one hair on our heads will perish. Despite all of the negativity and the challenges we face, we know that at the end of the day our hope lies in God. As Christians, we know that because of what Jesus did for us, we know that there are greater things beyond the worries of this world. We know that God has a plan that is greater than we could ever imagine, and that we must hold on to faith and hope. Thank you. In preparation for this celebration today, I was in touch with Spears Alexander, who was hired as the first campus minister in 1971, and with Rocky Ward, who served as a full-time campus minister for 15 years from 1986 to 2001. Both Spears and Rocky spoke fondly of their time working with campus ministry and still keep in touch with some of their students. First Presbyterian Church has been committed to college students since 1944, 
when this congregation engaged students at the Appalachian Teachers College. And now with the help of Baird's Creek Presbyterian Church, Rumpel Memorial Presbyterian, Mount Jefferson Presbyterian, Glendale Springs, and Salem Presbytery, along with our ecumenical partners, St. Luke's Episcopal, St. Mary's Episcopal, Holy Cross Episcopal, and the Diocese of Western North Carolina, you all continue to foster an important Presbyterian and Episcopal camp presence on Appalachian's campus, Appalachian State University now, rather than the Teachers College. Together, you all have fed a lot of college students over 75 years. Faith, hope, and community. By supporting campus ministry these many years, you have helped provide a place where faith is nurtured, where a community gathers each week to learn about God and to witness God in each other's lives, and where students can be reminded that our hope comes from God, no matter what is happening in our lives and in our world. Thanks be to God for this church that started campus ministry 75 years ago, for all those who have faithfully served as campus ministers and volunteers, and for all the students who have been part of this ministry for the past 75 years, and for those who will gather in God's name for many years to come. Amen.